I believe we are bored from being eight to 10 hours every day in front of the screen. So when we go out from the screen, the real life happens and things get more and more interesting. Data Stories is brought to you by Click, who allows you to explore the hidden relationships within data that lead to insights that ignite good ideas. Let your instincts lead the way to create personalized visualizations and dynamic dashboards with ClickSense, which you can download for free at www.click.de slash datastories. Hey everyone, Data Stories 58. Hi Enrico, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Good. Very good, very good. Good, good, yes. St still busy with science and stuff? Yeah, summertime, quiet <laughs> and busy. <laughs> it's a strange mix. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I also have five weeks in front of me, like finishing stuff up and then I'll take some time off. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so much looking forward. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We need some rest, come on. And yeah, we should it seems like. Yeah. yeah. But I have a cool like fall coming up. I'm really excited about the fall. Me Lots too. of conferences, exhibitions, yeah. projects coming out finally. You know, I'm, I'm yeah, working yeah, on a yeah. lot of stuff that's not being published. That drives me mad. And but the fall is gonna be like big. It's exactly the same feeling for me. On the one hand, I, I'm looking forward to go on vacation, but fall is gonna be exciting. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. I just need a little bit of a break in between. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Very good. It's going to come. No worries. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. So today we have a new exciting episode. I'm really excited about this one because it's <laughs> totally different from what we usually have. Yes. Um, and it's with Danny Lugani Person. Hi, Danny. Hello. How are you doing, guys? Hi, great, Danny. Great, great. How are you? Good, good. Actually, you're talking about the weather and the vacation. And here we in Barcelona, we have this crazy heat that it's being crazy. Yeah, same and in Germany. It's mad. Yeah, I don't know. But I'm also wanting a vacation. But as you, we are already like nonstop and having projects during the vacation. So it's going to be a bit difficult, I believe, this year. Yeah, somehow it's going to work out. <laughs> so maybe yeah. briefly for introduction, Danny and I met last year and it was crazy hot as well. And it was in Barcelona as well. And uh, Danny and his colleagues uh, took part in the Data Cuisine Workshop. We did uh, as part of um, the Big Bang Data Exhibition at CCCB, a great exhibition. It's now traveling to Buenos Aires. Just heard it has been opened there. And the workshop was also in collaboration with Sona plus D and we had great, um, great, uh, data cuisinists, uh, on board for this one. And, uh, yeah, Danny was one of them. And so I got in touch, uh, and learned a bit about their work. I think it's very exciting work, very unique. Um, and this is how we got to know each other. And now finally we have him on the show to tell us a bit about, um, what uh, they are doing at domestic data streamers. So um, maybe the first question is, what is domestic data streamers? Danny, can you tell us a bit? Yeah. <laughs> and where does the name come from? Yeah. <laughs> uh, the story of a name is, it's like really obvious. It's domestic because we tend to work with everyday objects, everyday languages, uh, data because we work with data and streamers because at the beginning, when we didn't really know how we were going to work, um, we started thinking and doing uh, things in real time and actually working with um, like 
the website and all the screening that could be uh, online. And well, I'm going to tell you a bit about uh, Domestic Data Streamers. We're a studio based here in Barcelona. And basically, we design and develop new systems um, that work on uh, capturing and visualizing data in new ways. So in somehow what we say is that we like to develop new languages or new data languages. And how does that look like? Can you give us a few examples? What are some of the projects you've done in the past? How is that different from, from a normal chart? Yeah. Maybe? Uh, yeah, basically we tend to go away from charts because, um, well, we are in nowadays, it's kind of strange how the communication um, world is evolving. Actually, there is a lot and a lot and a lot of people working on data visualization, but normally people tend to work on a, on a digital environment. And um, nowadays we're, we're seeing how the, the ingredients of a pepperoni pizza are being um, visualized the same way with the same graph, with the same PowerPoint graph as the last uh, deaths in the Iraq war. So we, when we saw this kind of um, reality, we were a bit um, preoccupied because we thought that it wasn't the way to make information uh, valuable for people at the end. Mm -hmm. So now I'm going to tell you like the, the last project that we did um, that was in Mundanium, which is a museum in Mons, which is the... European Capital for Culture this year in Brussels. And basically what we did is we had this idea where we didn't know what, or we still don't know when we are referring to like um, the concept of what are like the zettabytes or what are the megabytes, like all these uh, numbers that refer to data storage, people don't really understand them. People don't really care about them because they cannot refer it to a real volume. So what we did is we got three K points in a lifetime, which was from all the information created from the down of civilization to 2003, that, that has been um, five exabytes. And we translated all that information into a grain of sand. And then we got all the information created from 2003 to 2014, 15, which is the present. And it has been 4.4 um, zettabytes, which is um, more than 1,000 times more than the information created all, all down since the down of civilization, which is crazy, you know? And that, that was represented in a square of 20 centimeters. Um, but what's more crazy, it's what's going to happen. And that's what we wanted to really represent that our near future is going to be crazy in terms of data uh, storage. And that was represented, for example, the information that was created from the 2014 to 2020, we can, we created um, a square made of sand that contained it about 100 kilos and was two meters uh, long, mm -hmm. which is crazy. <laughs> in comparison with the, with the grain of sand, no? with the unique grain of sand. Right. And you actually, you put this sand in an exhibition room, right? So it's not just an image of sand or some, you know, some illustration, but, but you actually exactly. put a physical object exactly. there, right? Ba basically what we try to do is we, we like go away from what's 
<clears throat> a digital visualization. We try to make things physical so people can feel them, uh, can look at them, can hear them, can touch them, because we believe that we are no make we are not making no um, no more um, infographics, but uh, info experiences. Right. Yeah, I think that unifies all your projects is that they have some spatial or some object characters to them, at least the ones uh, um, we see on your website. Um, so in many ways, data sculptures or data spaces, you could say. And what I also find really interesting is that many of them are participatory, so that um, often the, the objects only appear because people contribute something or um, they, they add something to the sculpture, right? Exactly. Maybe because um, nowadays data has been created to make an impact on people. And now um, within our, our installations, what we're, our aim at the end is to make or create an impact on the visualization because of the information of people. So the participation of people creates an impact into the visualization. And that what generates is a transcendence on people because people can compare themselves to others' information, and so they feel they become part of something. Yeah, I think that's really, really fascinating. So one project I really liked was the Data Strings project, um, which is basically a, a parallel coordinates plot. So you have different columns with different data people could um, enter about themselves, basically. I think their job and their... Um, their age, yeah. their height, like personal data. And everybody could take one string and connect all the dots that would apply to them, right? And so the the exactly yeah. The actual graphic only emerges because a lot of people contribute. And at, yeah, so it's clear how you became part of that and everybody donates sort of their data point. And this leads to this really nice uh survey uh, uh graphic overall. Yeah. Yeah, this this project was nice, or it's nice. We've we've been doing it more than once. Actually, that project was for the International Art Fair in Barcelona, and it was one of our first projects. Um, what we did is we wanted to know uh, if people, as it was in an art environment, we wanted to create like kind of a silly question, and we asked people what they prefer, rather a spoon or a fork. And then we crossed this information with um, the socio-demographic profile of the of the people that were participating. So at the end, uh, like the, the answers given by the people mm -hmm. started to create a graphic or a, an image that was totally random um, and actually was generated by the differences on the profiles of different people. But what was nice about this project is that um, we could see the profiles at the end, we could make like a flow map of the profile of the people that attended to this uh, art fair. Right. Yeah. And the color of the thread was spoon or fork, right? So exactly. Yeah, yeah. So you exactly. first pick on... the color of the thread and then make this path through this data space. Exactly. Yeah. Then they, by knitting the information, people created this artwork. Yeah, I, I think that's really nice. Uh, one thing I was wondering about, like all these projects that that uh, that you put out there, like sand and wood and balloons, even and and strings. How do you deal with like? Don't people like destroy it sometimes? Or what happens if like ten kids come by and have some fun with your art? <laughs> How do you well, deal with that? Well, we are we are prepared. We are prepared. Uh, normally, we have some guns. 
uh, and we are <laughs> totally prepared for kids. Uh, okay. No, really, yeah. we we've never had any problem uh, for until now uh, because normally the the environment where we create this kind of uh, installations are quite controlled, and there is people taking care about the installation. So until now, we didn't have any any issue with people. Okay, so it's usually part of exhibitions, or you have some personnel around that. Uh, Guides exactly. Guide experience. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. So, can you describe how people react and interact uh, with these things? So, for instance, in this project, yeah. how does it happen? People come in, and I guess you need to explain to them what it is and what they are allowed to do, right? No, normally it's it's like really intuitive. Uh, people like just uh, understand really easily how and what they have to do because normally the interactions are really, really easy. And what's nice about uh, this kind of in interactions is that you tend to generate synergies with people that you wouldn't actually talk to because they approach you and they like just think the after the, they participate, just they talk to you, to, they explain to you what they are thinking about uh, the installations. Uh, and there some discussions come out from these installations, which this is really nice. Because at the end, like placing the information somewhere in like a public space, for, for example, uh, allows people to, to create, generate discussion. And this is something that we are not uh, as much as... Uh, normally see it. And how does it work? So people interact with this thing for, for a while. So for instance, in data string strings, every time you have a new person interacting, it's adding a, an element to the, to the piece, right? So is there, yes. So do you have a predetermined period of time you decide that people can interact with it and then you stop it and it, how, how does it work? It, 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 it depends mostly of the installation in, in this case, in the data strings that we made in the, in this place, we had two days, uh, eight hours per day. And we had like more than one or 2000 inst uh, interactions, okay. which was a lot. Wow. Uh, it yeah. was kind of an, it, it was kind of a nonstop. Uh, it was quite crazy. And we did the same installation in Qatar in, in Doha. Yeah. And actually the installation was meant to be there for two weeks, but the third day, there was so many interaction of the people because it was placed like in a venue in, in the street that then in the third day, we had to cut off all the uh, strings and restart it again. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is what I was wondering. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we were like really kind of worried because we didn't know the people there. We thought, okay, maybe they don't interact. They don't understand what we are trying to say with this installation and but no it went really well in that case what we did uh, with that installation is that we were trying to know um, about education and technology inside education and this kind of questions that uh, in the beginning in the first installation were more related to more personal details and to the spoon and fork thing uh, transformed themselves into a kind of a survey that could allow us to to draw like the profile of and and to ask and answer some of the questions related to technology and and education. Nice. I mean, generally, what what do you think? What's the main? Uh, what makes working with these sculptures or these spaces? What's the quality that comes in as compared to working 
in digital media or in paper? What, what, why, why do you do these sculptures and these spaces? Um, I believe there is like a, a personal thing uh, from all of the people in the group that we didn't want to just stay in something digital. Um, but also we've realized that when there is like more senses involved in, <clears throat> in an interaction, in kind of communication, uh, it kind of transcends more. We are in an era where um, 90% of all the information in the world has been created during the, and, um, until 2013. And, and now it's like 96% about all this information that has been created and it's all digital born. Uh, so what we are trying is to create new ways and establish new paths so that information still, uh, transcends on people. And we believe that when people like can touch things, can see them, can hear them, um, the implication of it, it's much bigger. Because at the end, people are like kind of used to see graphs uh, in, in a digital environment. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And what we are trying is to place them in, in, a, in somewhere that they are not used to and creating something different. Yeah, I think, and I think this is also where, where the data cuisine, <laughs> also the, the observations made there, you know, match this quite well that I think we can interact with all these huge data sets online and digitally. And I think that, you know, that's super exciting to me as well. I, I love to do that. But in these more sculptural or more experiential projects, often you have very simple data sets. You know, it's like small, just a couple of numbers often, yeah? Um, but you experience them in a much different way, like much more. Well, for example, it's, uh, it's not the same um, knowing that, uh, I don't know, that you... That half of the Spanish people have sex on the first date than eating like <laughs> a crab, a crab that actually explains that, no? And yeah, somehow, yeah. so it's more transcendent to like eat that, that data. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And the second thing is really the conversation also. Like if you walk around and you see this interesting data sculpture and you think like, oh, that's strange. And then you start, start to talk about the thing, right? And if you're online, you might just, Look at it and, I don't know. Yeah, and just pass driving. by. Yeah, yeah. You just pass by. Yeah. That's very interesting, really. It's, uh, yeah, it's fascinating. And I, I really like about your work that there is a very coherent theme to it. Like you really, or at least from what we see on the website, you know, it's, it seems very coherent in a sense that it's always public installations. They're always with objects. Um, And but each of the projects add one adds one new facet to this general idea that there's a, like a data sculpture out there that you know represents some data in object form, right? Um, is this something you was it clear straight away that um, you want to focus exactly on this thing, or how how did this happen? No, 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 no. It came up um, like really in in a really organic way. We didn't actually when we started. We started in in the streets, mm -hmm. creating kind of a public art installation more related into graffiti's. Okay. Um, because they asked us to create um, kind of to paint a wall in 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 a square in Barcelona. That actually there is a lot uh, happening in terms of social um, social uh, people uh, things events uh, the place places uh, there are hotels like there there also are schools there is a disco nightclubs mm -hmm. so we had 
we had this idea of um, making something that it could involve the people in that square. Right. And actually, uh, we there we created our first installation where we were asking people um, to place their information in 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 the wall. And after a few installations where we started working with data that actually were like really really easy data sets. Um, we started realizing that we had like a path to follow in terms of um, discovering or creating new ways to develop and understand this information and trying to generate um, messages that could uh, actually transcend on people by understanding really well which was um, the reason and the methodology to generate this message. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So actually, we tr we like to say that we are kind of a laboratory in terms of um, generating this this data and actually visualizing it. Right, and it seems like you found something really interesting, and now you're like just through making new project, actually discovering what that actually is. Like because I think nobody's so focused on these these public data sculptures. And I think that's kind of exciting that you find something where you say like, oh, that, that's kind of interesting. And then with each new project, you explore what it actually is. Yeah, it's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, that's, it's, that's a nice it's, way of working. It's crazy because in somehow every day we are doing something different. And that is really, really exciting because we don't, we really don't know where we're going. And that's a good thing. And also each project, uh, as we try to focus on that project and to design it in terms of uh, innovation, where we focus and create specifically, and we design specifically for that uh, kind of data set or what, uh, what's the reason that we're working for. Um, we don't know what kind of materials we're going to use. We don't know how we're going to design it. We don't know how people are going to interact. We don't even know how we are going to create that interaction. So every project is a, a whole new thing. And that makes us um, uh, learn a lot. So how do you approach new projects? Um Do you have a few like ideas in the back of your mind? Maybe like, ah, oh, I'd like to do something with glass at some point or with yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. Or is it more like you take you take the challenge and then you start from scratch? How, 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 do you prototype? Like, how, how do you do it? Uh, for sure, there we have uh, we've been like one one and a half years working on that, and it's been at the beginning it was more like okay, we would like to work with glass or we would like to work with wood or Uh, in terms of what we've been doing and what we are doing now, it's changed a bit because now um, we try to focus and understand really well, really well with which is the brief, and actually the the brief uh, uh, brings us to a solution that we aren't thinking on. Okay, we're going to use glass. Uh, it's more depending on on which is the solution that we have to give that we think in one path or another. So Danny, I'm wondering if, uh, if I mean, when you go to, when I go to your website, I see so many interesting projects and I guess some of our listeners probably don't know um, the, the interesting span of different projects that you guys have. So I'm wondering if you can dis quickly describe some of them because they're really beautiful and, um, I also like the way you present them on your website. There are, there are um, most of them are uh, presented together with some video 
and uh, really showing how it looks like in reality. Um, so I, I, I'm just wondering, I think it, it would be useful to for our listeners to get a sense of what's the span of your projects that you have. Like, I don't know, okay. the grip uh, okay. by tweet is really cool. We talked about data strings. Let, um, yeah, let me let me explain you the, the lifeline one that for us is like really meaningful. It's been like uh, for long, like the the biggest data installation that we've done, I think, and, and also I think that we will do for a long time, <laughs> something that it's more than 100 meters long and 160 meters long. It's quite crazy. What we did there is we had one question where we wanted to know, um, we wanted to make a relation between one's real age and the age when people would like to die. We had this question in mind and we thought, okay, how can we create an installation that talks about this? And not only that, um, but how can we talk about this in a way that it has sense at, and doesn't hurt people mm-hmm. and people mm-hmm. want to actually uh, interact with that? Because it's like a really tricky question. Somehow, if I go in the street and ask someone about when they want to die, <laughs> They will tell me that I'm quite crazy, crazy. Yeah. before I, yeah. But um, what's this installation? Um, basically, it's made up with balloons because we we tried uh, to relate like the like the, the what we were talking about. It was about life and death to something like could be ephemeral as a balloon. And what we did is we placed a grid on the floor that had um, on the zeta axis um, one's real age and on the y axis one's desired age to to die. So whether there was a crossing on that information, for example, if there was someone that was 27 and wanted to die at 81, what we did is we changed the white balloon because all the installation started in in white balloons that were uh, filled up with helium, so they were in in the air. What we, what we did is change it, that um, coordinate to a black balloon representing death. So because of the interaction of people, what started to happen is that all the white balloons tended to transform themselves into black balloons, containing all the information about the life and death, about the people that were actually responding to that question. And whether there was like a coincidence on one coordinate, the balloon started to raise up like a normal graph. Yeah. So at the end, you could see like um, all the the information placed it in 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 a big um, in that big uh, museum space. Yeah, it's it's really impressive. I, I if you're listening to this, I suggest you if you can to just stop for a moment, go to. So your your URL is what domesticstreamers.com and look into Lifeline, the project called Lifeline. And there are there is a nice movie and lots of pictures. It's a beautiful landscape arranged uh, in a grid with uh, white balloons and black balloons. But the black balloons are normally um, higher, taller than the white ones, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Because as I said, um, the black balloons were placed once uh, people answer it to the to these two questions were. They were asking um, <clears throat> their real age and the age when they wanted to die. And that coordinate, that point was 
replacing the white balloon into a black balloon. So the white ones are people who didn't answer? Uh, no, the white balloons are like the coordinates where there wasn't an answer. So... Uh, so nobody wants like to die to with like 10 years. So exactly, no, exactly. So no it's white, it's quite... Uh, no exactly. So it's yeah. it's nice. It's nice. So it, it's <laughs> nice numbers there. So yeah. and how, how did it work? Did you ask people to pick a balloon and then you... you I don't know, attach the balloon? Actually, um, this installation was placed on the Design Museum in Barcelona, where, which is a place where there is a lot of people passing by. Uh-huh. And what we did is we, we started to ask to the, all the people that were around about this information. And they just, um, we gave them like the black balloons and they changed the black balloons for the white balloons. So they just were passing by all the installation, passing by between the different balloons. And, and somehow they were like uh, walking on, on data. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful. Can yeah. you uh, describe maybe another one? Just what, again, I just want to make sure that uh, we have a few examples because they're really beautiful and, yeah. and interesting. You pick one. Yeah, let, let's let's go to something that it's a bit uh, more happier. Um, <laughs> we had one question. We had some uh, one question that was: um, Does the golden age really exist? Like people um, have like a happy age to live? Uh, that was our question. We wanted to see if there was like any coincidences, like if people around thirties are happier than people around forties. And what we did is we, we made like kind of the same graph that we used for the light, light string with uh, a Cartesian graph. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had like the once, once real age and the real, the, and the age where they believe they would be happier. Oh, okay. So basically we were asking the same, but in this case, we weren't using balloons. We were using trunks, uh, pieces of, uh, of, of wood. Uh, different trunks that actually we use that because uh, like what we try to do normally is to use materials that are related in in kind of a universal language and we've always been as human beings talking about life and uh, life rings that you can see when you cut a tree sure so basically we were using that material and that that kind of slices representing each person and each interaction. So basically because of the interactions of people, you started to see like a kind of a forest that started to grow up because of the inf- information. And actually it was no more than a, than a bar graph, but translated into something physical. Yeah. And would everybody put their own like piece of wood in the chart or did you do that? Exactly. For them? Exactly. No, 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 no. Everyone could do that. Yeah. yeah, this this is what I really like of this project, that this participatory aspect that people actually contribute into generating their own data point. <laughs> that that's that's really beautiful. Yeah, that's for, for us it's one of the nicest things when you see the faces of the people interaction or when you see like in in this installation what happened is, is we had a queue of people uh, willing to give us their real age, which is crazy. Like uh, people that normally don't give their age because it's something that it's kind of rude in some places. Uh, at here in Barcelona, it's not really normal to say, hello, I'm 64 <laughs> and I'm proud of it. Uh-huh. And there uh-huh. we were having like cues of people to just interact because they were feeling that they were participating and becoming part of something and somehow. 
And just, I, I would like to add something. Um, guys, the people that you're hearing, if you're still not 40, you, uh, you're going to have like the nicest part in your life in the 40s. That, that's, the, <laughs> that's, that's what we got about, uh, about that, that installation. Were the answers from people who were older or younger than 40? No, 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 no. They were older than 40. They were saying like, oh, my 40s were like amazing. Yeah, more than the that. 30s and more, yeah. and more than when they were like really, really young. That's great news. I hope it's true. <laughs> yeah, because I, actually I, I, I was thinking, okay, <clears throat> the good thing has already um, passed it by. But no, I still have got plenty of years <laughs> until the 40s get, get to me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah, all these things, are, that's really nice. So you learn a lot about people and what they think. And suddenly it's about much more than just the, the pure numbers, right? So exactly. At the end, it's not about the numbers. It's about the stories that come yeah. um, from those numbers. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and of course, it's also practically immediately like that because it's about the people themselves, right? It's not about... The GDP of some country they have never been to, but of course it's data <laughs> yeah. that relates to them uh, directly. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a good time to stop for a moment and talk about our sponsor, Click, which announced the general availability of a new version of ClickSense. It's ClickSense 2.0. And Moritz, did you try ClickSense 2.0? Yeah. In fact, I've been to um, a conference uh, from Click. I spent a whole day there and saw a presentation on the new features and it's actually quite, quite impressive. So they have a new, um, self-service data preparation tool, more or less smart load, and it helps users to access data from any source and also automatically join, for instance, different tables you have in the data. Like you have two or three different tables. They might have a few columns, uh, that can be used to join the data and will find these relationships automatically. That's kind of amazing. And you can also load external data sets, for instance, like uh, population data, world statistics, things like this. They are automatically available uh, from within the tool. So you don't even need to download um, data tables for st standard statistical data. Um, there's also smart data compression. That's a new way of plotting results. Um, so basically, if you have a a scatter plot, but you would have like tens or hundreds of thousands of points. It would become really slow. And also you wouldn't see that much, right? So if you have a lot of yeah. overlapping points, it's always the same problem. You just have this yeah. cloud. Problem. Yeah. And what they do is dynamically turn that into a heat map. So um, you have basically, if you're over a certain limit of points, you get this grid with um, colored uh, cells that shows you really nicely how the density of your data is um, in a bint fashion, like a two-dimensional bint grid. And as you zoom in, it breaks up into the individual points, right? So that's, nice. that's yeah, it's really cool. And it's it happens on the fly. You don't have to do anything for it. And it makes um, your standard overloaded scatter plot so much more uh, helpful. Um, and last, they um, acquired N-Printing, a company that's focused on... Um, printing and PDF export and things like this. So this uh, helps now quite a bit with um, exporting the charts that are um, typically web-based. Uh, so ClickSense is all uh, browser-based charts, which is great for like, you know, using it on a tablet or in, in your browser or on the desktop. 
but in many cases, people also want to have a static image they can send by email or put into a PowerPoint. And uh, now they have all these new um, export features that um, allow you to export static images from any given view, like with with a single click. That's really kind of cool. Nice. Yeah. So if you want to try ClickSense, you can download it for free at www.click.de slash data stories. Let's go back to the show. Can I ask a practical thing? So the things you do, I mean, it's somewhat in between art and design, I guess. It's probably mostly commissioned works, but not in a sense that, you know, somebody or it's commissioned, but it's not really uh, like some you develop a product or a website for somebody. So how does this play out on the financial side? Like how how does this work? Uh, many of the projects like more or less break even and then you make some money with the big commissions or... Do you, um, do you try to like well, we, earn money on each project? You know how how does this yeah, whole market yeah, yeah, yeah. work? I well, think many people don't know how that is. Can you shed some light on that? Like, yeah, it's always a bit yes, difficult to um, talk about, but it's well, super interesting. No, no, no. It's 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 okay. It's been at the beginning. It was quite uh, quite hard. We had to invest a lot, um, a lot of hours, a lot of work. Right. We've been working for long, long, long uh, periods, and. It's been strange and a bit difficult and hard to like establish um, a path in this in this way because the, we didn't in at least here in Barcelona we didn't have uh, anything that was looking the same so it was quite difficult to make people understand what we were doing uh -huh. but once we started having um, different projects that could uh, actually say okay. These guys are aren't doing <laughs> bad things or whatever. Um, we started uh, working with institutions. Uh, at the beginning, it was, as I say, more difficult to get some uh, finance. But from like after six, seven months, we started working and earning for each project. It depends when we work for companies, then when we work for institutions or cultural museums, um, always the budgets are different, no? But, and somehow we try to balance a bit with everything. We make, for example, if uh, we have a bit more from here, we like try to put it into investigation. Uh, it depends, it depends. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But in, in principle, you first have to prove that what you are suggesting is actually like, Yeah. It actually works, yeah, yeah, and yeah. this is all you have yeah, to build yeah, yeah, up yeah, yourself, yeah. right? So the first few cases, you have to demonstrate yourself with a new exactly. idea we like, that it's actually cool. And then then suddenly everybody wants to uh, <laughs> commission you, right? Yeah, the, at the beginning it was hard, uh, but after a few uh, study cases, and also we what we did is to uh, scientifically demonstrate that uh, some of our installations... Um, What we did is to generate uh, a paper where what happened is that uh, we demonstrated that uh, it, the installations had a real impact on people's thoughts and on people's behaviors. So that's a really good thing. Oh, that's really interesting. Can you explain that more in details? How do you how do you do yeah. that? Um, yeah, actually. Uh, We started the team like uh, we were, uh, we had uh, industrial designers, um, more interactive media designers. We had, I, I'm a designer. Um, we've got uh, people that are working on interiors. 
And after months of work, uh, this guy came up, which his name is Axel. <laughs> and Axel is a psychologist. And actually, he's been working with statistics for a long time. And he could start uh, giving, he started giving us a, a new uh, way of work where we could uh, demonstrate scientifically um, all this information. We started to work in a more scientific way because the methods that we were um, using in terms of capturing and visualizing this data had like a, a truth uh, background, no? And somehow. Yeah. So that's been, that's been nice. Yeah, that's very, very interesting. So I've been working myself a little bit in this area. And uh, I have to say it's it's incredibly hard, but at the same time, uh, very interesting and impactful. So for instance, I work quite a lot with uh, um, one of my colleagues here at, um, at NYU, who is an expert in, in human rights, uh, Meg Satterwaite. And we discuss all the time, how can we use visualization as a way to First of all, make people aware of some issues they may, may not be aware of, but also how do we um, induce um, either behavioral change or more interestingly, how do we um, how do we maximize the chance that people um, take action? Right, action is the hardest part, and uh, and your work strikes me as a. It's an amazing way to get much, much closer to people because, as we said before, they they participate to your pieces, right? And um, yeah. so I guess there is a lot of potential there for using uh, these installations for, quote-unquote, uh, the good, right? So I'm wondering if, you, um, if you've ever thought about it. I mean... I, uh, I don't uh, understand uh, the, what you're meaning. Yeah. Uh, so what I mean is that, so from what I see from your project, it doesn't look to me like that you have a very strong uh, kind of like activist stance, right? So you create beautiful things, but as far as I understand, you're not trying to convince people of anything, right? You are not ch trying to change your uh, their behavior or or inducing them to take action on something that you believe is important or maybe I'm mistaken but <laughs> actually well yeah I, 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 I just wanted to say you now we're gonna I don't know if I can say that but uh, we're starting a work with Oxfam Intermon Oxfam yep. which is the NGO this big NGO oh yeah okay and yep. we are we are actually working in an installation that will do that we where what we are trying with that installation is to induce a change on the behavior of people. Oh yeah, that's so, very interesting. Yeah. Yes, we are we are doing so, and we are uh, moving towards this kind of uh, work also, because at the end, uh, it's a it's a way of communicating that actually works really really yeah, well. Yeah, I also think it's a natural connection, and uh, especially this point that something can touch you much more deeply if it's an actual like object or something in the world, I think that makes it a natural fit to, to apply it to all these like, yeah, important issues, of course. Exactly. It's been like kind of a, a natural path. Mm. What's been happening is that we've been like, uh, investigating and developing and trying and making until we've realized that all like this experience, this background 
uh, has led us uh, into a way that we can start uh, communicating with people and we can start these dialogues between information and people. On a formal side, I, I'm wondering, is, do you think there, there could be a, a, a successful combination of digital or, um, yeah, or digital overlays with analog backgrounds or digital mechanics on concrete yeah, objects, yeah, yeah. you know, like is, is, or for do sure, you think it, sure, then it sure. loses its, its charm and, and the no, whole no, thing no, 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 for sure, for yeah. sure, for sure. Now, now actually we are internally working in the studio with projects that are, uh, half, half mm -hmm. and it's a, it's, it's also really interesting in the digital environment. We can work with kind of, uh, data sets. We can work with, uh, different aspects of information that we cannot work on, on the, on the analogic, um, environment. So yes, yeah. for sure. Yeah. I mean, a few of your projects went into that direction, I guess, already like the sand falls and the, the drip by tweet where there was some sort of me mechanic aspect based on, on digital information, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that's very fascinating, um, to, also then there's of course 3d printing lasing you know so there are also all these new con uh, milling and so on, all these new construction methods that could feed processes that create objects right exactly yeah yeah we we are not scared on using <laughs> new materials on using <laughs> not afraid anything. of computers okay very no, good no 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 <laughs> very good <laughs> Not not afraid of computers and not afraid of real life. <laughs> yeah, no, but I think it's a very fascinating field. And I think what's like really not explored enough is this idea of a data space or this idea of like putting a, a, a chart actually into the world and then have it reveal itself spatially. I think um, that's that's something that's just so underappreciated. Of course, it's also a super yeah, it's tough to build these things, you know, they need a lot of space and it's hard to develop them. But um, if it's done right, like totally new things can happen. So I think that's very fascinating. Yeah. yeah. So what's next? You, you already said uh, there's might be an Oxfam project on the horizon. Yeah. <laughs> the Yota project was just open probably when we or will be online uh, soon, the documentation. Uh, any other new uh, exciting things you're working on? Yes, 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 for sure. Now we are like working 24 seven here in the studio. We have a, a new installation on middle of, uh, August in San Francisco. Cool. Uh, we actually have running an installation in the California Academy of Sciences, also in San Francisco. On September, we are going into Holland into a music festival to develop an art installation there. And then we're going back to Madrid for three <laughs> times, three different times. So until December, December, we are like totally full of work. Your travel plans are full. And <laughs> so do you also yeah, you have yeah, to yeah. travel to the places to set everything up and, and develop the last par part of the project as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a really nice thing about the work mm -hmm. that we can, we've been traveling a lot. We've been traveling to more than eight or 10 countries, uh, for the past, uh, year, actually developing more than, more than 20 installations, which has been quite crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's quite a bit, but well, we are really happy about it. Cool. Do we have more questions, Enrico? There are so many interesting projects. Eh? It's, mm. it's, it's, it's amazing. I just wanted to say that you do have some, some, some digital, 
let's say, part in your projects. I see here, for instance, or at least mechanical. I, I, I was taking a look at drip by tweet, for instance. So is there a robot yeah. that goes around? And, uh, yeah, this yeah. is this this was crazy to to develop. <laughs> it was like a really really hard work. What we did um, is we have this awards here in Barcelona, which are the Design and Architecture Awards from Barcelona in Spain, uh, and they have this Public Audience Award. And until last year, uh, the Audience Award was working because of people uh, voting in a simple tweet. And what we wanted to do is actually transform that tweet into something, into something else, into an experience. So what we did is we created this robot that actually translated each vote of the participants into um, a drop of gold. That that drop of gold went to to the test tube that referred to the one of the three hundred seventy one selected projects. <laughs> so at the end, because of the participation of people uh, during one month like all the voting participation time. Uh, what happened is the different test tubes started to fill up more or less, uh, showing a bar graph. And what was nice about this project was that people could refer their like their action, their vote into something uh, that had actually volume, that had a color, that had a shape. Um, so they could say, okay, that drop is mine. Or when <laughs> I'm doing the, the, the tweet, Actually, I'm moving all this thing and I'm participating in something. No, And at the end, another thing that happened that was really nice was that we were adding transparency into like the voting system in somehow, because normally how the voting works, uh, the voting processes, they normally are totally uh, closed to the public. But in this case, we placed it, that machine during one month in the design museum and actually, people could go there and see how the how it was evolving. And how did you know beforehand how how large to make the tubes? <laughs> because we we had we had this crazy <laughs> and this funny story. We actually knew because of the installation that uh, uh, because of the last year that they had like more or less four thousand interactions. Ah, okay. And we we said okay, we can like make some math and we can make fit. I don't know one two hundred per test tube, something like that. Yeah. And what happened is that uh, it went so well <laughs> that we had like more than 20,000 interactions. Oh no. And <laughs> yeah, but but the, the, the hardest part was that we had 5,000 interaction into one test tube. But <laughs> then <laughs> by coding, we, we could like, uh, we could like solve that, that issue. So but it was you like reduced this, the number of gold a bit on this one, yeah? Yeah, yeah, no, but actually all this, all this goes, all these voting processes go into a database uh, in order to have like, like the, all the voting in case something happens. Um, but yeah, it was kind of a funny story. <laughs> yeah, but th this is often the hard things like to know beforehand, if you build a physical system, like, yeah, what the characteristics of that physical system should be, you know, in a digital case, you can just rescale the axis and. Yeah, upload a new version or something, and in physical, it's the the tube has this size, so you need to deal with it. Yeah, you cannot ask the guy that is making the test tubes to <laughs> re reblow them in, in twenty minutes. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of exciting, but that also makes it very I don't know 
the whole process is also more valuable and more precious because there is actually a risk to it and you can't change everything on the fly, right? So that's, yeah. that's kind of cool as well, yeah. So I, I have another couple of questions. I'm wondering, first of all, if you ever thought or even um, done works together with scientists to help them, uh, I don't know, making sense of some complex data sets that they have. Quantum mechanics. This, yeah, yeah, something like that, right? <laughs> I mean, there. Are, I mean, we all know that scientists are have so much interest in data and some of them really need help. So did you think about using these... Um, physical visualization techniques to help them making sense of their data totally yeah totally now we are um we are starting a collaboration that will last for three years i cannot say still the the name of the university uh -huh. but we will be working with a big team of scientists and also uh, we've been actually working with a scientist uh, a physicist actually Uh, for the sandfalls installation, uh, that was uh, he was analyzing all the patterns that uh, came up on the on the museum installation. Nice. Um, and also now we will still uh, we are still working and we are gonna develop one project that we are gonna work with scientists. But for now, I I cannot say it uh, online. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I'm sorry I about that. I was just curious <laughs> if you were doing that. Yeah, because it looks like a natural step. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are, we are doing so and, and totally. And it's really, really interesting. Actually, it's one of the, our desired paths and something that we were like really looking forward from the beginning because we believe that, uh, the work we do gets much better when we start to work with people that are not in the communication or design yeah, yeah, background yeah. Mm -hmm. and they are more into, I don't know, all different files that yeah. can enrich the, the work. Yeah. Yeah, I think what is, this is what is really interesting of physical objects. They can much more easily be manipulated. They can be observed from different perspectives. They can be shared. And I think as Maurice was, was saying before, they seem to stimulate much more of a discussion. I don't know why. But I, I think people seem to be more prone to discussing something if they have a physical object in mm -hmm. their hands and maybe mm -hmm. sharing it and passing it around even rather than having this um, 2D flat picture in front of a screen. I think also screens have this kind of, they communicate this idea that it's something personal. I think it's not a by chance that we call, we used to call these computers personal computers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we mm -hmm. believe that my screen is my screen and if I'm looking over <laughs> your shoulders, I'm intruding into your personal sphere, right? So, which right. doesn't happen with physical objects, I guess. Here you're saying something really interesting. Um, I also wanted to ask, uh, add that um, somehow we are like, I believe we are bored from being eight to 10 hours every day in front of the screen. So when we go out for this, from the screen, um, the real life happens and things get more and more interesting. This is one of the parts, no? But you were also talking about this personal computer. And I like to uh, um, add the thing that when you put something into a physical environment, um, people ca can compare it and people can discuss it. Uh, and this doesn't does not happen in front of a computer normally. Yeah, 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 and yeah. and it just gets more weight. Something that has an object, and actually, there are more. There are actually psychological studies 
that relate the weight of information to the actual physical weight of the thing people hold in their hands. And, <laughs> and people actually perceive information as more important when they have something heavy in their hand. It's, it's like, it's an actual fact. And I, I think that's, that's super interesting. Totally, totally, yeah. totally. Yeah. I, I, uh, there is a, there is a great example, uh, in actually in the Mindanao Museum where we were like two weeks ago. Um, there is this guy called Paul Adlet, uh, which what he did is he's, he's, he's named as like the, the Google in paper or kind of the Wikipedia in paper. <laughs> what we, what he did, it was kind of a crazy guy that he classified, um, like everything on paper. And actually when you go across the room that it's full and full and full and full of, um, different, um, how do you, how do you call them? Um, the, I don't know the, the, the word. Uh, well, it's like plenty and plenty and plenty and plenty of our cha uh, archives mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. are on physical papers and you can see them and it's crazy. And you relate that to what the Wikipedia, for example, and there is no point of comparison when you see that information and you believe that that is much less than what the whole Wikipedia has. Uh, you then understand what, what's, the capacity of information. Yeah. Yeah. And also there is this, this great example of this guy that what he's doing is right now he's printing uh, Wikipedia in different books. Oh yeah. As if it was it. a normal yeah. encyclopedia. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I saw that too. It's like 10 <laughs> volumes, like super large. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting because on the one hand, overcoming all these physical obstacles, you know, has led to this huge like information and knowledge ex explosion in the first place. Right. But now in order to cope with it, we sort of, you know, we need to come back to the physical world. So there's this really interesting tension. Um, but if we had stayed in the physical world altogether, we would never have had all this, you know, these huge data sets. So that's, I think that's this happens with humans. This is, has been happening with humans for a long time. Yeah. When we have something, we don't want it. And we don't, and when we don't have it, we want it again. So <laughs> the, the, yeah, something really human, I believe. That's <laughs> true. So uh, another thing I wanted to ask you is, so now I really want to attend one of your installations. How do I do that? Um, basically, on our website, there is uh, a place where you can see our, our upcoming installations. And you can see where, the, where they are. Now, there are, as I said before, we will be having and hosting an installation in San Francisco. Now, actually, there is one happening in San Francisco, afterwards in the Netherlands. Um, we try to travel a lot, so <laughs> I, I believe we'll be, or we'll try to be all around. Are you coming to the US? Uh, yes, 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 yes. Oh, you said San Francisco, of course. Yes, yeah, sorry. Wrong yes, coast, yes. though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong yeah. coast. Yeah, so this is, can you, can you tell everyone where to find this information in your website? Um, yes, it's on the news uh, place. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There is a... There is an area where you can see the news and there you can see like all the upcoming events. Okay, nice. And we will be happy if you fly all around to see <laughs> our work. We that could be great. Tour, yeah, document so do, do you have any plans to do something on the East Coast? Um, not for now. Not for not now. Not for now. So somebody should invite you. But who knows? Maybe yeah, yeah, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. Things happen. Yeah, yeah. who knows? I'm sure there will be some opportunity at some point.
Yeah, that for sure, for sure. Great. I think we can wrap it up. That's been super fascinating. Everybody check out the website. It's you need to see the photos, you need to see the videos, then it all makes sense. Thank you, Moritz. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for, so much for joining us, Danny. It's been fascinating. Thanks. Thank great. you. Great, great, great. Bye-bye. Thank Thanks you. Thanks a lot. Bye. 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 Data Stories is brought to you by Click, who allows you to explore the hidden relationships within data that lead to insights that ignite good ideas. Let your instincts lead the way to create personalized visualizations and dynamic dashboards with ClickSense, which you can download for free at www.click.de/datastories.